Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hi, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Please, we love the Facebook group. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. You can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. Um, this week is really fun. We are joined by Jasmine Guillory, who is the author of The Royal Holiday. And it's an amazing book that we both really love. It's so amazing. I hope yes. everyone reads it. So she will be here a little bit later. And until then, we're discussing Kate shopping for Halloween with the kids. Yeah. Which is t- too cute for words. Um, Megan letting Harry crash the party at her gender <laughs> equality event. And I'm really excited to talk about the new Angela Kelly book. We got a little peek. Yes. We've yet to read it ourselves, but yes. the excerpts have been online. And in case that name doesn't mean anything to you, Angela Kelly is the queen's dresser who has that book coming out this week about secrets of dressing the queen. But secrets that are approved by the queen. <laughs> secrets approved by the queen, the best kind. Um, so before that, we have a royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. It is very similar to what we did last week. It is gin and apple, apple gin and tonic. Yes. It's Sorry. delicious. We seem to get a lot of gin. People seem to know what we like. So um, Indeed. we're just is, on the gin train right now. And it's apple. It's apple green in color. So it feels really autumnal and appropriate. I do feel like in the summer, we tend to not really put as much effort into our drinks because we're just like, hydrate us, hydrate yeah. us. But now in the fall, it's like, ooh, it's so cold outside. This is the one thing that can bring us joy. It's true. And so, it's like apple green. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It makes for a beautiful cocktail. I have three drinks in front of me, a seltzer, this cocktail, and tea. So I'm quite hydrated. I might have to go to the bathroom midway through the episode, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, read our listener email? Sure. So we have an email from Cara Leo, which is like such a beautiful, beautiful name. Beautiful. Um, so the subject is... Kingdom Choir Experience for the Royally Obsessed. Another choir. Another one. It's the same (laughs) one as last week. Uh, Hello, ladies. I love the podcast and look forward to it every week. Have been royally obsessed since I was a very small child and fell in love with Princess Diana. After hearing about the Kingdom Choir on the podcast this week, I had to also share my experience. I had the privilege to see them in concert this past Monday, and it was an unforgettable experience. Not only was I blown away by their talent and inspired by their songs, including the wonderful Stand By Me we were Ah! all waiting for, but we had the honor to meet and speak with them afterwards. They were all so delightful and humble. We couldn't believe that they would come to perform in Clemson, South Carolina. Shout out South Carolina, where I'm kind of from. (laughs) Um, That was me editorializing. Back to the letter. Um, But they still seem... uh, so honored that people are coming out to see them perform. Many of them have been doing this for years. The gentleman who performed the solo parts in Stand By Me has been doing this for 50 years, and they finally got their big break. That's it was so such amazing. a great experience, and I just had to share. Um, so that's really sweet. And she noted they're touring the U.S. for six months. If they're near you, I highly recommend seeing them. That's so lovely. That's so lovely. Group like, outing? Just, yeah. You and me? Just I love going that. to see, like, an awesome choir. Although, Caitlin wouldn't go get dinner with me after recording tonight, so. We don't know yet. I'll see where I am in 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very hungry now, but who knows where I'll be um, after this gin cocktail. Uh, then we have This Week in Royal History, which is a, a humdinger. A hum-effing dinger. <laughs> and now, This Week in Royal History. 
on October 31st, 1955. It wasn't just Halloween, but it wasn't just Halloween. It was the day that Princess Margaret had to go on the radio and inform all the people of the United Kingdom that she wasn't getting married. What a nightmare. To group Captain Peter Townsend. So by that point, um, as you've seen on The Crown and potentially lived through, um, everybody knew about their romance and knew that they were in love and what have you. It had been going on for like two years publicly that people knew about. But um, there was all this discussion of whether she'd be allowed to uh, marry a divorcee. Again, this all played out on The Crown. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Um, But yeah, she made the announcement in 1955. She was only 25 years old, which blows my mind. The wording that she used is so severe. Yeah, she said, I have reached this decision entirely alone, and in doing so, I have been strengthened by the unfailing support and devotion of Group Captain Townsend. But she said, I have been aware that, subject to my renouncing my rights of succession— Succession, like succession, the show. Love succession, that show. Love that show. Um, it might have been possible for me to contract a civil marriage, but mindful of the church's church's teaching that Christian marriage is in dissolvable, indissolvable. <laughs> oh my god! We went to college. We went to college. <laughs> we are professional writers. We're not professional readers. Indissolvable. Um, and conscious of my duty to the Commonwealth, I have resolved to put these considerations before any others. That's so severe. I mean, that really must have sucked, like, to have to do that and have to give up the person you love because of like, the church. And then you're welcoming sort of everyone to pity you, like the whole country pities you. And you have to be like, you have to announce your breakup to an entire country. And then everyone like knows you're single. And again, she was 25 years old, which I mentioned because she was essentially considered an old maid at that time, like because it was wow. the 50s, but also because everybody was really excited to see who she would marry. So there's all this attention on her. And I just imagine it's like, think about the holidays coming up. If you're single and your family is like, oh, are you dating anybody? But it's like that times a hundred million. Oh my gosh. I know it's awful. And so I just... I can't imagine what that was like. And I do think however you think of the event kind of depends on the eye of the beholder. Like, do you think that she decided to break up with him because she would prefer the trappings of being a royal? That's like the less, you know, charitable interpretation that she was too attached to like money and fame to give it up for him. Or do you think she genuinely was doing it for duty and for Christianity? I don't think it's for Christianity, but it might have been a bit for duty. I think that um, my interpretation of a lot of the royals is they're born into this and they know that this is a role that they're born into and they know uh, what goes with leaving it. And so with um, Margaret, you know, her uncle had give, abdicated the throne right. and sent everyone into like a spiral of chaos. And right. luckily it worked out, you know, like her dad was wonderful, I think. I don't really know much about him. Right. He seemed nice on the crown. Mm-hmm. And then Queen Elizabeth. And then so it, it seemed to work out, but it was a time when they didn't think the monarchy would survive. Again, I only know this from the crown. <laughs> but so I think it would be duty. And then also, um, I don't think it's necessarily like being tied to being rich and being tied to jewels or whatever. It's the only life she's ever known. Yeah. And the unknown is scary. And to like leave her home behind and her sister behind. And we know that she spoke with her sister at least once a day, like every night before they went to bed. And it's just, I think that's why she seems like such a tragic figure to people, like through his, like history remembers her sort of tragically because what a bummer. And she was only 25 and then that's all people remember. And she went on to have like a really tempestuous 
relation, like marriage later with um, Sir Anthony Armstrong Jones. Just like, oof, tough stuff. We'll see it play out on season three, <laughs> debuting November 17th. Uh, can't wait. Why is it Netflix paying me yet when I say that? Um, I know. If only, if only we got paid for all the things we said. Um, but up next, um, a happier, much happier story, which is Kate Middleton took the kids shopping for Halloween costumes. Now, first, allegedly. Allegedly. First, I want to inquire to all the British listeners out there if we have them, if we haven't offended them with our pronunciation of their beautiful towns and hamlets. Um, Probably very few and far between at this point. I didn't think that um, the British celebrated Halloween. Right? Maybe it, I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe they do. I mean, if uh, I would assume since this was sourced by a British tabloid, perhaps that they they did or maybe it's just a nice thing for kids maybe it's not on the grand scale of right the u.s where it's you know everyone i know in their 20s had a very big weekend right exactly no i think that of course the american influence is a strong one and it's all over the place and halloween like sort of leaks into everything in norway and denmark there were halloween costumes for sale when i was there last week mm. um so like that's bizarre but um i remember when i studied abroad in italy 12 years ago there was definitely no Halloween then it was only Americans dressed like idiots where did you study abroad in Rome oh yeah it was great no getting to know you on air (laughs) um no Halloween though wow so okay somebody who was at the store told a tabloid that um Kate was allegedly looking at Halloween outfits for the kids um and that she was with Charlotte and George and her bodyguard was kind of watching people with their phones and telling them no pictures. Somebody took a picture, but we haven't been able to see it. So I don't know if it's online or what. Or it was was taken taken down or what. Um, But yeah, it was in Sainsbury's and the witness said, I didn't see what she actually bought. Um, The lady that told me she was there had children with her and she said that Kate was asking her children what they were going to be for Halloween. Um, And that the family was dressed casually but chicly. Kate was wearing black trousers and a black polo neck. Imagine that's like polo shirt. A polo neck. Weird, oh, right? Yeah. And then Charlotte was wearing a little checkered skirt, but I couldn't see anything else. She said, come on, kids. Um, or you come know, on, kids. Come on. <laughs> God help us when we try to do accents. Uh, we're so um, offensive. But yeah, so that I hope they're you know dressed adorably. I hope they're having a very fun Halloween week. I think this episode comes out on Halloween, so I hope oh, you guys are all having a fun day. Spooky. Celebrating however you want to celebrate. Costumes, candy whatever, watching scary movies. It's a fun day. Um, And then also like sort of in the news this week on the Cambridge Beat um, was this story that was floating around uh, because Katie Nichol has a new book out, Kate, the Future Queen. And she talks about how um, Kate and William had a marriage pact circa 2007. Um, It says that uh, after they broke up in 2007, when they got back together, they were on an island and uh, William promised Kate he was in the relationship for the long term. And that was when they first talked about marriage. And oh, this is this is very glowing. Or like very... <laughs> the writing is a little like purple, is what I would call. And it. with the ocean before them and beneath the night sky, they made a pact to marry. Which, Beautiful. I mean, honestly, sounds right. Like if you if you broke up with someone and you went through the hell of being called like Weighty Katie and um, all these terrible, things. all those, and like people were just kind of making fun of you for not being engaged. Of course, you'd be like dude is this going anywhere right i'm not going to get back into this if this is just going to be like a like you're embarrassing me all around the world yeah so that makes sense it does make sense um and you know this article this write-up in l reminds us of the quote that they gave um 
Tom Bradby, who With did Tom the Bradby. ITV. Exactly. He did the Africa documentary that we discussed yeah. last week. Um, he did their interview after the engagement, and they said, William said, we were both very young. It was at university. We were both sort of finding ourselves as such and being different characters and stuff. It was very much trying to find our own way, and we were growing up. I think that makes perfect sense. Like, college sweethearts, you're like, you have a, a brief moment. It's like a midlife crisis of your relationship. Now they've been together for... 17 years so is it that long time is a flat circle it's crazy i would say 16 years at least 16 or 17 years 2002 i know it's really it's terrifying this makes me feel old (laughs) even though they're older than i am they've known each other for that long so i understand if they had some growing pains when they were in their mid-20s who hasn't who hasn't but that was like a funny little i was a mess in my 20s a funny little revelation um, from Katie Nichols. God new help book. anyone who knew me back when. <laughs> um, and then so also kind of in the same vein of a Tom Bradby interview. Um, obviously, we talked a lot last week about the Africa documentary about uh, Megan and Harry's tour and how open they were about how they were struggling and all the horrible things they've had to deal with with the tabloids. And um, one of Megan's best friends, Daniel Martin, who is a makeup artist who I follow on Instagram. Everyone should follow. He's just so delightful. And he works a lot with Jessica Alba and all these really great women. Um, he was on CBS this morning, which is what I watch every morning. <laughs> I watched it the this other, morning. The other thing we're not paid to say, but Lisa just always feels the need. I know. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I love it. I'm absolutely not paid. I freaking love Gail. <laughs> I really like Tony DeCopel and I hope more people follow him on Instagram. Amazing. I think he's very nice. And so anyway, he was on um, CBS this morning speaking with Gail and the crew and he um, said about the documentary, it's been tough watching this documentary. It's been almost a relief seeing her at the point where she can be honest about what's happening. All of us who've known, we just didn't know what to do or how to help. But I feel like just putting this out there, it's hopefully demystified a lot of what's been going on over there. Yeah, it was really, I mean, nothing he said was like that outrageous. Obviously, if he's in Megan's circle, he's never going to say anything that would embarrass her, I don't think. Um, But yeah, he just talked about what a relief it is to see his friend be so honest. And then he went on to say um, that he hopes that it will be, quote, help unhelpful unquote for Megan as they for her to be this honest and he said she's a lot on her plate and I feel like she just wants to make sure that her boys are safe her boys boys. it's so sweet I know her and she's totally she's going to totally take care of us it's just about understanding the ways around it so to me that felt like such a breath of fresh air because after that documentary I'm sure everybody who watched it was like really touched and broken up and worried about the two of them it's hard Mm -hmm. not to be um so I felt like this was Daniel saying, like, she's handling it. She's doing OK. Like, she's moving forward. And it was a good thing for her to do this, which, of course, we agree with. Yeah. So that was excellent. And, of course, we saw Megan um, since the documentary aired last week. Late last week, we had a wonderful event um, where Megan went out with One Young World and it was held by the Queen's Commonwealth Trust as well. Um, and so it was very it was in Windsor. So it was pretty close to home. And surprise, Harry drove her. Yeah, that's so normal. (laughs) So normal. It's like in your hometown. It probably was two miles away. So she just went for it. Um, And so he, uh, she said, he, quote, letting him, she thanked everyone for letting him crash the party um, for this roundtable discussion. The subject was gender equality. Um, If you've already forgotten, it was the event where she wore red on red, red sweater, um, which was by Joseph and a red leather skirt by Hugo Boss, um, the same skirt that Queen Letizia had worn the day before. And the look was really similar to a look that she wore 
in a previous tour or no, sorry, not tour, previous event where she was wearing all green. Yes. But like she looked love perfectly it. autumn in green and she looks perfectly autumn in red. I, I love, love the it. little like chignon that she did. Um, but she talked about how um, it was perfect that Harry was there because she was discussing the the need um, for men to take part in the discussions around gender equality, that like women can't do it alone. You can't have equality if men aren't willing to help. And she said, um, in terms of gender equality, which has been something I've been, I have championed for quite a long time, you know, I think that conversation can happen without men being part of it. This is something that is also very key to the way my husband feels. And he's been working in this space since 2013, which a lot of people don't notice as much, which I love her being like, excuse me, my husband isn't just a feminist now because he's a husband he has been a feminist for a long time. He's been working on these issues for a while. And she Mike said, drop. <laughs> and so it seemed to make complete sense to let him join today. Um, and I'm so glad she did. It was just nice to see them out again together after the documentary aired. It, it felt like a united front, united front, like solidarity. Like they're handling this. They both looked incredibly great per usual. And it's mm-hmm. like, here they are. Like they look great. They're doing great. They're taking up the important causes as per usual. I love it. And Another thing I love is that we got some excerpts of Angela Kelly's book. (laughs) It's called The Other Side of the Coin, The Queen, the Dresser, and the Wardrobe. The best title ever. I just, I love it so much. But I can't stress this enough. She was approved by the queen. So even though it's like details that we maybe quote unquote didn't know, there's not going to be anything scandalous in this. Well, okay. So honestly, my first, you know, we haven't, we don't have our hands on the book yet, but the quotes that we got from Hello, I believe had the the world exclusive, um, (laughs) which is mind blowing to me. But what I was really surprised by at first glance was the really intimate tone that Angela Kelly writes in. Like, it's always like, we did this, and it seems like very giggly and and kind and social. Like, I knew it, I think I thought it would be stiffer than it is. Like, I'm really pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. So the excerpts had uh, four big, big things that, of course, got picked up everywhere. Everywhere. The first one was the Michelle Obama hug. Now, this was like, a. I mean, it already feels like so long ago, but it was, I mean, it was 10 years ago, so it was when Michelle Obama um, met the queen and like put her arm around her. Like briefly. Briefly. And so there was this long quote that she released about it. And she said, um, much has been made about this. Um, When an instant and mutual warmth was shared between these two remarkable women and protocol was abandoned as they stood closely with their arms around each other. In reality, it was a natural instinct for the queen to show affection and respect for another great woman. And really, there is no protocol that must be adhered to. That's major. Yeah, that is major. Like, I'm sure, I don't think she's still stressing about it, but I'm sure Michelle Obama was like, Whew, okay. We have <laughs> seen Michelle Obama quotes about it, and then we've seen like sources saying, like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, but here like, we have Angela Kelly saying it wasn't a big deal. It's very lovely. And that it was natural and that they have like a great affection for each other, which is even lovelier. Um, then the other big story oh, was that the shoes, know, the shoes. So <laughs> basically she revealed that someone breaks in for her shoes for her and the that queens. the queen's shoes for her and that it's often Angela herself, which I love. She said, yes, I am that flunky. Um, so it was like a rumor that people knew for a really long time, but never been like officially confirmed. But now yeah. it's like, yes, it's confirmed. I love that so much. What could be a better duty than to wear in shoes for the queen of England? No, that's torture. I'm sorry. I was wearing new <laughs> boots the other day and. I got all these horrible blisters. It was the worst experience. Luckily, my work has like a really good first aid kit. (laughs) So I had a lot of Band-Aids. But But if the queen asked you, Lisa Ryan, to break in her shoes for her and you would walk on them on velvet and like then have a gin and dubonnet with her at the end of the day, 
No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would never sacrifice my body for another person, which is maybe why I should never like go. I'm going to end that there. Yeah, there's no there's no good reason. But like I would never. I'm sorry. If someone was like, do this, I'd be like, no. Wow, this is a really interesting line in the sand. I wish we were still doing polls on social media because this would be my <laughs> poll item. Would you guys wear shoes for the queen if she asked you to? I mean, if it wasn't going to give me a blister, sure. But if it's going to inflict pain on me for days on end, no. Those like black loafers that she wears. Okay, that's fascinating. That's a brand new Lisa Ryan personality test I didn't even know I had in me. I do not like blisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three was the filming of the <laughs> James Bond movie. I mean, who could forget that, of course, there was like a little, um, it wasn't the movie itself, that there was a moment at the, the Olympics in 2012, which were in London, um, where during the opening ceremony, the queen did this like very unexpected, very wild thing that she had a cameo where she was like in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And so Angela, ta- this is where I'm talking about the really intimate tone. Um, they talk about how Danny Boyle asked for this and Angela writes, she was very amused by the idea and agreed immediately. I asked then if she would like a speaking part without hesitation. Her majesty replied, of course I must say something. After all, he's coming to rescue me. (laughs) Um, And then Angela asked her, would you like to say good evening, James, or good evening, Mr. Bond? And she chose the latter because she knows from watching the movies that that's what they say in the movies. So she said, good evening, Mr. Bond. So she said, good evening, Mr. Bond. So again, I just was so interested to see that, like, of course, Angela helps her clothes, like with her clothing choices, but she's also working with her on these like major, mm-hmm. I don't know, decisions about how to interact with the world. I th- it was really fascinating to well, me. When we had Sally Hughes on, Sally told us, Sally, the author of My Rainbow Queen. Yes. Um, she said that Angela was like her most trusted advisor, like the closest person in the Queen's circle. Yeah, it just really underscored for me how major this is. And she talks about how she um, was one of the people who delivered the good news to Danny Boyle, the director of the opening ceremonies. I think he almost fell off his chair when I said that the Queen's only stipulation was that she could deliver the iconic line, good evening, Mr. Bond. Um, How fun. And then the last story is about the christening gown. Um, So basically she revealed, you know, they replaced um, the replica that they had to replicate the gown that had been falling apart for 100 years. And she revealed that they dyed it in Yorkshire tea, which is the strongest tea they could find. This is such a DIY paragraph. (laughs) It's like about placing the lace in a bowl and what you do in the cold water in the tea bag. Yeah. Like she said, we try to make it look old. We would leave it for five minutes, checking regularly until the color was perfect. And at each stage, she would show it to the queen. And she mentioned that we we placed each piece of lace in a small bowl from the dresser's kitchen. The dresser's kitchen? Her clothing staff has their own kitchen? Wow, amazing. This is the stuff I'm talking about. I barely have a kitchen. These, I, who has a kitchen? What's a kitchen? I live in New York. What's a kitchen? Sometimes when I'm out of town and I go to someone's house, I'm like, wow, your kitchen's a room. <laughs> yeah, it has its own room. It's not just like near the bathroom. Um, that is, I love this so much. It made me just so thrilled for the book. And she's just like DIYing. Like this is like a mom would do for their kid's Halloween costume, you yeah, know? Yeah. Great stuff. And now we're joined by Jasmine Guillory, author of Royal Holiday. Thank you so much for having me. We are so happy to have you. We are so excited. That's why I greeted you with the giant bear hug. (laughs) There are certain guests, I must say, that were like, may I hug you? And Jasmine was one of them. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I feel like I know you from your Twitter, but then also just your books are so warm and I feel like I'm a part of them. Every time I read them, I'm like, oh, 
my life, my friends. Exactly. Like another love story I'm a part of. <laughs> so my first question is a more general one. Are you a Royals fan or did you just write a book that is inspired by the British Royal family? Um, I am a totally a Royals fan. <laughs> so much so that when I got the opportunity to write this book, I felt like it was sort of a boondoggle. Like, <laughs> I am really going to get paid to write a book about the Royals. Yes, I am all it. Yes. So, yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. And right we, at home here. Well, okay. So I did know that you were a royal fan because I know that you have a group chat. Can you tell us about your royal group chat that I saw all over Twitter? Um, <laughs> yes. So two of my good friends, um, Nicole Cliff and Samantha Powell, and I have been, had had a group chat about the royals for quite like pre-Megan. Wow. Um, and then, of course, when Megan came on the scene, it had just exploded. So, like, just about every morning that the royals step out of their house, we wake up and start looking at their outfits and talking about what's <laughs> going on and then criticizing what other people are saying about them, especially Megan, because I think we all feel very protective of Megan. Of course, I understand um, that. It is a delightful group chat, and they helped me a great deal with this book as well. Now, out of curiosity, do you guys have a group text separately from the Royals one? Like, you just, are no, you talking about normal things? And we then... talk about normal things sometimes, okay. and then <laughs> and then the Royals come in, and then they get interspersed with other things. So sometimes okay. it, like, starts with Megan, and then it's, should I buy these shoes that Megan wore? And then it's, or should I buy these other shoes? I love um, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you were telling us before we started recording that you guys got together to watch the Megan and Harry wedding. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We did. Um, we got together on the West Coast, which meant the wedding was at four in the morning. They, I was at a um, writing conference that weekend, and so they came to me. And, very kind. Because we had determined very early on that we were going to watch, like, even before they announced the engagement, we knew we were going to watch the wedding together. So it was a joyful. We all watched. We all wore fascinators. Um, Amazing. We got fascinators specifically for the occasion, and we wore them to watch the. Wedding. You know, when I hear details like that, I'm like, are Lisa and I not that dedicated? <laughs> I didn't wear a fascinator. I mean, you were working that day, yeah. but I was at home by myself. I could have worn a. Fascinator. But you were crying, beautiful tears. Well, of you course, were, like, I was crying. It. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a human being. I, <laughs> but I, it actually makes me upset because I still have my fascinator from that wedding, from watching that wedding, obviously, and I meant to wear it at some point throughout my royal holiday book <laughs> tour. I never did, so I'm gonna have to find an occasion to wear it again. Yes. Um, about this book. Next time you're in <laughs> and, New York with yeah. us. Wait, Jasmine, didn't you like accurately predict the date that the engagement would be announced? I did indeed. I thought very hard about this actually <laughs> because I knew quickly that they were I knew that they were already engaged like post Megan's birthday. Cuz if she moved she moved to England, she gave up her job. They went to Africa together for her birthday. Like I knew they must be already engaged. She wouldn't have given up her job if she wasn't right. engaged to him. Right. Megan's too smart for that. Um, but then I had to think about when will they announce it? I knew it would be after the Queen's anniversary because it was a I forget which anniversary it was, but it was sort of a big deal anniversary of the Queen and Philip. But I knew it would be before Thanksgiving. Right. So I thought it would be that Monday. Wow. And it was. And I had told um, Jessica Morgan of Go Fug Yourself Ugh, the, of my prediction. And she woke up early and she was like, thank you. Wow. <laughs> really, you know, she had to post about it immediately. Yeah. So it, it was, it's really one of my things I'm most proud of. That, that is that. so incredible. Um, moving forward. And it also keep... means that I maybe think about that a little too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we love that. Can you just keep us posted moving forward so we can plan around this? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, of absolutely. your predictions. Yeah, yeah no more engagements <laughs> that, left. That might but be the maybe... last one that I am certain about. But <laughs> Yeah, pregnancy announcements, whatever you've got, we're happy to hear it. Well, so we want to know what inspired this book and 
had something to do with Twitter, right? It certainly did. Um, So just about this time last year, there was a news story that the Queen had invited Meghan Markle's mom, Doria, who we all love, um, to Christmas with the royal family. And a friend of mine tweeted, now I need a charming romance about Doria falling in love with someone who works for the Queen. And I responded as a joke. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> right, right. Of In course. that way that you respond to things on Twitter. Yeah. But then so many people like liked that and talked about it. But I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I was in the middle. I was just about finishing um, my third book, um, The Wedding Party, where Vivian is the mom of the heroine in that book. And... So I emailed my agent after that, and I had already been sort of falling in love with Vivian and had a lot of fun writing her character. So I emailed my agent, and I was like, so there was this tweet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do we maybe think this could be Vivian's book? Because I I didn't – and I didn't know – would people want a book about a woman in her 50s? You know, who who knows if that would be a book that my publisher would want or that readers would want. My publisher was very excited about it. My editor couldn't wait for it. So I ended up actually – writing that book a lot, a lot faster than I was scheduled to. My deadline for my fourth book was um, October of this year. And my editor had said, is there a way you could get me that book so it could come out in October? Wow. Uh, and I mean, like, I, this is what I meant about being a Royals fan. I was so excited to write the book that I was like, sure, I'll do it. Wow. And, um, and therefore, I got Royal Holiday. So That's how incredible. long did it take you to write it then? Between, I mean, I guess it depends on when when we start the beginning of it, was between when we decided that it was actually going to happen and when I turned in a draft was like five and a half months. Wow. Wow. Um, But then there was a lot, you know, I had edits to do and stuff like that. So... Um, so it wasn't, you know, the, the actual writing period was a little bit shorter than that, but then it got spread out with all the other stuff. Um, but that was also the first book that I wrote when I was writing full time. So it was a little easier to, you know, throw myself headfirst into it, but it was also just so much fun to write that it was that I just enjoyed myself a lot. Uh, Amazing. Feeling lazy as per usual over here. (laughs) Um, can you tell our listeners a little synopsis of the book? Yes. Um, so in the book, Vivian, who, um, Vivian Forrest, who is a woman in her 50s. She's a social worker. She goes to England with her daughter, Maddie, who is a stylist, to style a member of the royal family, um, an unnamed royal duchess. Anyone can think of her whatever they want. (laughs) And they stay with the Duke and Duchess on um, the Queen's estate at Sandringham, which is where the royal family goes for Christmas. And in the process, Vivian um, has a little romance with the Queen's private secretary, Malcolm. So fun. So lots of questions about the story, but you just, you've mentioned the the fact that she's in her 50s. And so I sort of wanted to start there because I think that was such an interesting aspect of the book. Can you talk about um, what it was like to write a 50-something character and how her age plays into to sort of a bit of the plot without giving too much away. Yeah. um, You know, it was really interesting for me to write a character who is in her 50s because there's so there was a lot different about her priorities and her, you know, ideas about entering into a relationship or what she was thinking about, like a guy over there who kind of smiled at her um, versus what my parents were in their 30s thought about. But then there was a lot that was the same, too. You know, it was fun to think about. The, the butterflies are the same, the things that, you know, they look at each other and smile and she wants to smile at him and thinks, am I going to see him again? Um, that part is all the same. But 
you know, there are certain things like she she has a family, she has a career, so does he. Um, and they're both they're both kind of established in their career. They think in they're thinking in different terms than someone in their twenties and thirties. And so it was interesting to balance those um you know, all of that in thinking about a relationship. Okay, super interesting. And what sort of research went into this? Because we really loved how the um, royal staffers interact. And so how did you figure out what exactly the private secretary does? Um, uh, I mean, partly I, I've been I've been reading a lot of stuff about the royal family for years. So that that w- some of that I already knew. And then some of it, um, I read a bunch of biographies. Um, the biography of Princess Margaret that came out last year. I don't know oh, yeah, we loved it. it. So <laughs> juicy. Um, and then a lot of other, like, histories and stuff of the royal family. Um, some, of, some of the trashier ones and some of the more, like, a- academic ones all kind of helped play a role in that. And obviously some of it is just imaginary, right? I don't know exactly the way Sandringham is set up. Some of it I know because I bought a book about Sandringham, but like the the part about, you know, specifics, that kind, that stuff I made up, some of it that's, the, you know, about royal staff interacting. Some of that, you know, I, I know a little bit about, but there's an element of fantasy in it too. And I just sort of went with like what seemed fun. Well, speaking of fun, it's also set at Christmas. Yes. So why did you want it to be set at Christmas? You know, I think... There's a little bit of magic in Christmas um, and royal romances are always a little magical anyway because the whole idea of a royal family seems kind of ridiculous in this day and age, but also fun too. So I wanted to be able to play with that and play with all the fun Christmas stuff to it. And I also think like... British people do Christmas in a very different way than we do. So that part was really fun to think about, too. Um, you know, the different foods that they have and the traditions that they have. And so it was a just delightful um, amount of research that, uh, that I got to do. And I got to throw lots of fun stuff in there. Yeah. And this book is very loosely based on Doria Raglan. Like, obviously, it's fictional but and about someone that's not Doria, but has a lot of similarities to Doria. So what is it about her that really intrigued you? Um, you know, what's so funny is actually... One like when I was writing the Vivian character initially, I didn't wasn't thinking about Doria at all. Um, a lot of that was about my mom. You know, my mom who was older than Doria, but still has a lot of similarities with her. She's a therapist, not a social worker. It's pretty close. Um, yeah. And I think my spent, therapist is a social worker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has exactly. Spent, you know, many years like balancing family and work and other responsibilities, and so. And the relationship with me and my mom is very similar to the relationship between Maddie and her mom. Um, and so I think part of the reason that I have such a fondness for Doria is that she does make me think of my mom in so many ways. You know, I mean, I, I, I think certainly we don't know a lot about her. Um, and so some of what we think about her is imaginary. But also, it, like, she's just always there supporting Megan when she needs it. And she yeah. certainly does need it. And the rest of Megan's family is so terrible right. that it's just nice that... <laughs> I mean, it's great that we don't we never have heard from Doria. You know, she's just standing there next to Megan whenever she needs help, keeping her mouth shut and looking chic and look right, looking great. And like that's that's exactly who yeah. I want to be a romance heroine. Yeah, that's so true. I love that so much. Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to ask, of course, about the the current royals. So there are so many storylines happening right now. And as an author, I'm sure they might inspire you or intrigue you. What is a storyline that you're sort of fascinated by with the royals right now? Oh, my gosh. There is so much. I mean, <laughs> I, I actually think one of the most interesting ones is the relationship between William and Harry. 
because like I find family related stories so fascinating. Um, You know, I put a lot of families in my books, partly I think for that reason is that I find it really interesting to think about how people relate to and fight with and love their families. And so those two grew up so close, but they have very different roles. They knew from the beginning that they were going to have very different roles um, and they went through so much together. And now they seem to have a very public rift which I think breaks a lot of our hearts. Like we want them to be best friends again. Um, and so it is interesting to me to to kind of look at what is going on with them and why. Um, and if there's a way they can find their way back to each other. Yeah, that's definitely fair. That's on my mind as well. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking forward to seeing most this royal holiday season? I mean, I'm very excited that Megan and Harry are bringing Archie yeah. to California for his first Thanksgiving. Where yes. you live. Uh, where <laughs> I live. Um, I'm thrilled about that. Yes. I have no idea if we'll see any of that. I'm sure yeah. they're just going to try to keep it under wraps. But we can all imagine Archie's first Thanksgiving. I plan to. Yeah. Um, gnawing on a turkey yes. leg. <laughs> and At least then, fed mashed potatoes. Right? Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Um, and then I'm like, I'm always excited to see the clothes and what they wear for that walk to church, um, which I... It's funny because, like, that is one of the things that I talk about in the book is, like, the royal walk to church in on Christmas morning because I've watched, pic- looked at pictures of it for many years. And yeah. so I was excited to kind of illustrate that fictionally. It did make me think in the, so of course, in the book, there's a character, you know, the, the character is the stylist who is dressing them for Christmas. And I was like, wow, this really must be, like, what goes into it, you know? Well, because there's, like, they have to think about so many details, right? You know, because they, they all get criticized for so much. I mean, Megan gets criticized for a ton, too. But before Megan was around... Kate would get criticized for everything, you know, the length of her skirts, if her skirt would fly up in the wind, like people's skirts fly up in the wind. Come on. Now she has to get like weights sewn into the hem of her skirt. Poor thing. Um, And so it like I'm sure they think really hard about if it's going to be windy that day, pinning their hat down or all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to ask. So this is obviously a royal holiday uh, story, but there's so many like royal movies that came out last year coming out this year. Netflix is like hitting the jackpot with their kind of deranged (laughs) royal films. Um, Are there any that you particularly like or are excited to see? You know, Netflix has that one, like the Christmas Prince. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was terrible. It's so fun. (laughs) It's so fun. And aren't they having a sequel to it? Like a baby now. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix has really cornered the market yeah. on like completely ridiculous. It's almost mm-hmm. like better than Lifetime and in some I, ways. I can't remember the name, but Vanessa Hudgens is going to be in one this year yes. about an actual knight. I'm like really a excited movie. about that one. I really mix them up because they all have the same they basic all, title. Right, they all sound like the Christmas Prince. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they could all have the exact same title, and we would all watch them all. Absolutely, the same. they've yeah. got me. Um, well, I love it. I'm excited for all of it. Um, what is next for you? What are you working on now? I know we've caught you at the very end of your book tour, so you get to rest now a little bit. Yes, I get to. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm working on my fifth book, um, which it seems wild to say that because my first book came out less than two years ago. Wow. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm working on the fifth one, which will come out sometime in 2020. Wow. So hopefully I will have a, a few months of peace and relaxation at home to get that finished. We need to wrap up soon, but can you quickly tell our listeners a bit about your background? Because I personally love that you didn't have the straight line to writing and now you are this fantastic romance writer and you're writing about, you know, the royals at the holiday (laughs) season, but you weren't a professional writer a few years ago. No, I, um, I, I'm a lawyer. I, people say was, you know, I feel like once a lawyer, always a lawyer. Um, I'm currently not practicing, but, um, but I've been a lawyer for 
a long time now. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I started writing kind of midway through my legal career. I realized that I, I needed a creative outlet and I'd always been a big reader, but I had never really thought about writing or thought that I could be a writer. Um, and then I just sort of dove in and really fell in love with writing. Like I looked forward to going home from work every night and writing the novel, the first novel that I worked on, which was not The Wedding Date, which is my first book that was published. Um, it took me a while from the first book I worked on to actually get published. But um, but I just had so much fun writing that I kept going, you know, on and off for a number of years until I finally um, got had, wrote that book and got my first deal. Ugh, it's, but I took, it's I mean, truly inspiring. I wrote my first three books I wrote while I was still working full-time as a lawyer so that that definitely took a lot of balance and now it's taking a lot of discipline yeah. to keep writing yeah. even though I'm not working full-time oh my god Lisa what are we doing with our lives I don't know <laughs> we we need to work on this balance and discipline yeah you it's, it's, it's podcast oh, so. well, thank, you. Uh-huh. thank you but Shucks. it's really the worst Shucks. having very successful people on the show I'm like what are we doing <laughs> can you tell our listeners how to follow you yeah on Twitter I am at the best Jasmine and on Instagram I'm at Jasmine Picks. Um, and you can um, go to my website and find out how to follow my newsletter, um, which I give out lots of recipes every week because I like to cook. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so nice. What else do people want? This is so great. <laughs> all right. Well, we are so happy that you came on. And I hope that all of our listeners get your book. It's called Royal Holiday. It's beautiful, like, just to look at it even. Like, I it love is. the cover. It's so gorgeous. And then it's just a beautiful story. It's so much fun. And it's just, it'll warm your heart. Yes. Thank you so much. And it's and out now. thank you for now. having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. Hey, before we adjourn the royal pod, some highs and lows. Lows and highs. Lows and highs. It's time for the royal highs and lows. Okay, so my low will be if Kate's kids, the Cambridge kids, if they did get Halloween costumes. I have not seen pictures. You probably never will. I know. So, like, that knowledge is I'm tough. happy if they did because I, I hope that they have a really normal, joyful childhood where they get to wear costumes and have fun. And yet... I don't know what they may have worn. If they wore anything, I don't know. You never know with tabloid reports. You never do know. That is unfortunate. Uh, Mine is like sort of tabloid adjacent. My low is that uh, Prince Harry this weekend, he's the patron of the rugby football union. And so he's going to be attending uh, the final of the Rugby World Cup, which is in Japan this weekend. And so as soon as that was announced, people were like, oh, he's going to fly to Japan. So much for that, you know, carbon footprint. Like he's a like a global diplomat. I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, oh, of I wasn't course, really right? Like it was just, well, that's because it was such a small thing. But it just reminded me that like every time he's going to fly now to anything around the world, people are going to like remind him that he thinks the environment should be helped. Like these two things aren't the same. You can want efforts around climate change and also be on airplanes sometimes. Like I just, it's so dumb, and I hope this stops sometime soon. Um, much happier stuff. What's your high? Oh my God, my high <laughs> is such a high. So um, my high actually comes from a Vulture article written by Catherine von Arendonk, who was on the show last a year? year ago. Yeah. Yeah, so she did a profile of Helena Bonham Carter, who obviously plays Princess Margaret, the older version of Princess Margaret in the upcoming season of The Crown. And there was an amazing anecdote in there that I am so obsessed with because it's all of my interests in one. <laughs> so Helena Bonham Carter apparently would basically like torture Olivia Coleman in the dressing room or the hair and makeup trailer by playing Mamma Mia. And I freaking love Mamma <laughs> Mia. So I'm like, 
hell yes, these people are my people. <laughs> when I saw that tweet, I was like, this is some real Lisa Ryan content. <laughs> like, are you listening to this? Um, I love so much. My high is also this profile by Catherine. Um, I just feel like I've met Catherine and now this is like she met Helena Bonham Carter like wow the whole profile is super super worth your time there's so many great anecdotes I love that she refused to do she basically says that she refused to do reshoots like if something was wrong she'd be like "Mm, you got my time (laughs) so I'm good on that and she basically said that like a lot of her youth was misspent because she never complained she was always too polite and too shy and now she's like no if you mess something up on the set that's not my problem I'm not coming back to do more sorry um deep deep respect and also the intro of the story is her she's mid filming and then she sees Catherine through a crowd and gestures to her like oh are you the writer here for me (laughs) and now I have a new dream oh yeah I want Helena Bonham Carter to gesture to me and say Caitlin is it you and Mm. I'll be like it is me thank you and then my other high of course is having Jasmine on the show I hope everyone reads her book it's truly just so fun yes it's wonderful what a great week Um, you can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the royals and to weigh in on whether or not you would wear the queen's shoes if she asked you I just seriously would not for anybody (laughs) remember I guess if I had a child and they asked me and their feet were big enough for me to put their (laughs) shoes on it's going to take us a long time to get to that question in our real lives so remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. here's a real review from hrh bell will you read that if you're not too busy being mad about the prospect of wearing the queen's shoes i just don't think anyone has the right to my feet um uh (laughs) they write as a dedicated royal watcher i'm picky about the places i get my royal news i like that they offer a different perspective than the british royal reporters more like gabbing with girlfriends exactly um I added that in. Uh, (laughs) They really have created a great community of like-minded ladies who love to discuss traditions, history, fashion, and causes of the British royal family. I love the different segments, and I learn something new every time I listen. Thanks. I love it. You can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKMenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram and read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. You can follow me, Lisa, at Lisa Raya with no N on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, God save the pod. I got to play some Mamma Mia. <laughs> Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.